Hello. Welcome back. It's Bible Braced time. Yay. <laughs> we are just the two of us today. Sorry. I hope you guys are okay with that. I was like, wait, who do we usually have? <laughs> Took me a sec. Just the last couple weeks we've had, we've been magnified. Um, that was so nice. Though. It was really nice. We had a really fun time. Excuse our chairs. They're very creaky yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, welcome back. And, you know, I sometimes feel kind of sad when I'm recording or... <laughs> Stop it. That was literally an accident. <laughs> or editing these <laughs> podcast episodes because I'm like, we are such goofballs. Like, is anyone enjoying this? Are they just half annoyed? They have half to enjoy our amazing personalities, Katie. Yeah, that's Possible exactly not what to. they think. That's what I tell myself every day. That Emily shared a really, really, really good episode um, from Living Waters podcast about oh. biblical submission. You should probably turn this podcast off and go listen to them. Actually, frankly, we're I gonna love those guys. We're gonna um, cite that. We'll link it, Lord willing, in our show notes. So you guys can go check it out because it is so well done. Oh, I love them. But they also made me feel a lot better about our podcast because they are all over the place. They're so goofy. They're so goofy. They talk about all these random things. They're teasing each other. And then, like, they're not really an edited podcast, which is such a blessing because sometimes I'm in a time crunch or I just don't have the time to edit We out. have to edit ours, Katie. We do edit ours, and I'm, it's, it's heavily There's edited. There's no way we could just say, yeah, let's not edit. No, but I'm <laughs> just saying that sometimes I let things slide that other times if I have more time, I would go back and edit. So yeah. it's really nice to hear other people that are just kind of recording their conversations, and they're not like heavily editing it. They allow things they said when they misspoke and they had to go back and change that, or like they mm -hmm. say, um, 50 million times, they allow that in because- at the end of the day, like we are having a conversation with each other and we're used to this in our day-to-day yeah. -day conversation. We're real people. Exactly. And I do want to be a good steward of this podcast. And part of that is like doing doing an okay job or what I'm able to do um, with editing it every week and getting it out there. But it made me very encouraged when I listened to their podcast because it's just very real and it's just very <laughs> goofy and like... It, I was like, okay, good. There are other people out there who are just being themselves. That wasn't even like the craziest episode, too. They are just the weirdest guys, and I love them so much for I it. I love that. But, we'll definitely have to put that in the, sh in the show notes so you guys can take a listen, too. It was a very godly, biblical way of viewing submission. It was looking mm -hmm. at mainly the role of the man in that relationship and how he should be a godly servant leader. And what that dynamic looks like from the view of a husband. And then they kind of built on that and talked about submission. But really, I felt like the episode almost was misnamed because it wasn't so much on biblical submission as much as it was on biblical servant leadership. And they talked about submission about the same amount of that they talked about servant leadership. And so, but I think that was appropriate. I think it's definitely easy for churches and individuals to get really um, hung up on submission because it's kind of like a hot button issue and people mm -hmm. want to fight about it or all this different stuff. And it's a biblical command. It's a biblical mandate. We're actually mm -hmm. going through a study in Sunday school right now, our small group at church where we're studying the biblical role of a woman and what God created her for and how that looks in the church and in the community and in the home. Mm -hmm. And it's been really a sweet study, a refreshing study. But they, I feel like a lot of times 
we are not approaching submission for the wife with the same emphasis and the same teaching, the same heaviness that we like, I feel like we can really hyper focus on submission Mm -hmm. and we don't talk about the counterpart of that, which is a biblical servant leader. Yeah. And so it was really refreshing to have men of faith who are godly husbands and godly fathers who were talking about their role in that relationship, not just um, kind of driving home the idea of the women submitting. So mm-hmm. I that was really good. Yeah, I definitely really appreciate it. They kind of made a joke too about how I didn't feel qualified necessarily to be talking about that. Um, they're like, why are we talking about this? You know, because it's just a bunch of guys. But um, honestly, I would rather listen to them talk about biblical womanhood than a lot of people in the world. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're great. They have such a great love for the Lord and for their wives and the people around them that it just, it makes it very easy to listen to. And I think that's another good truth too, is that, you know, people don't really care how much you know, unless they know how much you care. Like, mm, like that says, phrase. yeah, it did not originate with me, but let's say it did. But um, they, they want to know that you love them. And so if you are a loving person, um, and that can look like a lot of different things, um, then people are more likely to listen to you, I think. Yeah, for sure. And at the end of the day, we need to teach what's true and mm-hmm. not be ashamed of that, not be afraid to. With God's help and through his strength, we can teach it with boldness and with love. And we don't have to be in the same situation someone's in to speak truth into their lives. We don't have to have experienced it previously. We can take what God's word says and share it with others. And we talked about that a little bit in our singleness episodes that we had the last couple of weeks that were not just for singles, they were for marrieds. In fact, they were more so for marrieds because we were trying to help you guys as married couples think about your single friends and how to love them and invest in them. So please go listen to those two episodes if you have not, um, because they're very helpful just for perspective, I think, because again, sometimes the church is really silent, just like we can be silent on servant leadership. We can be silent on singleness because, um, a lot of people marry. And so there's a lot of focus on marriage in the church, which is biblical and godly. It should happen. Just like we should talk about submission. We should. It's biblical right. and godly. Absolutely. But and there's another thing. aspect to that, which is singleness. And how do we do that in a way that glorifies the Lord? And so really encourage you to go and listen. And um, we will, Lord willing, in the future do episodes that are geared more towards singles and like how to live a life that glorifies the Lord as a single. We cover that a little bit on those two episodes, but again, those are mainly for our married friends. So please go listen to it. Share it with others if it's helpful for you. It's just us kind of joking around and sharing experiences and talking about how God's worked in (laughs) our lives and hopefully giving some helpful hints for you to know how to engage with singles in the church and love them and to be Christ to each other. But it's interesting we're talking about speaking the truth in love and doing that unashamedly, even if you don't come from that situation in life or you don't have that experience, et cetera, because our attribute today is truthfulness. So that's really exciting. Yeah, so. we didn't plan that either. It's kind of fun how we didn't. <laughs> we just start talking and somehow <laughs> it fits together. Well, and frequently we'll be talking about something and expounding on how that looks practically. And then that's the next verse in Emily's notes, which is really cool too. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> God just works that out though. You know, we ask yeah. him to take this and use it for his glory and to shut us down if we're ever not. So if we just stop getting on the air one day, you might know why. Um, yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, we, we're trying to rely on him and to do what he wants us to do. And so it's really neat to see how the spirit works through us being yielded vessels to produce mm-hmm. what he wants in our lives and in our 
conversation, which we definitely want to keep relying on him for. Yeah. And this is like a side note, side note, but we have had incredible revival services at our church the last couple yeah, weeks. It's so good. It's been so good. God has really broken through some major barriers in my heart that have been there for a long time. And he's working in my heart to be, to be doing all I do out of a love for him, not out of duty, not out of habit, not out of practicality, out of love. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so hard to maintain when we, it requires us maintaining a thriving relationship with God. It doesn't just require us knowing the Bible and it doesn't just require us having godly habits. It doesn't just require us living in godly community. You know, like we, we need to have a vibrant, loving, full relationship with God where we are meditating and fellowshipping and spending that time with him daily drinking deeply from his word, talking to him about what we're going through, processing things biblically, like everything flows out of that, right? Like we sometimes honor God with the macro. We make sure that we're in church when the doors are opened and we make sure that we're doing our devotions daily. And we make sure that, you know, we're tithing whatever amount God's laid on our heart. And then we don't honor him with the micro and that idea of just in Revelation, like when he talks to the different churches, some of the churches are commended for doing great things. Mm-hmm. And, but one specifically was, you know, was teaching the truth. They were, they were trying those who said that they were of God and finding them false and like exposing them. They were serving faithfully. They were bearing with patience, persecution and all that. But then he said, but I have this against you. Like you've neglected your first love. And he tells them that he's going to like shut the church down if they don't fix that. He's like, I'm going to take away your lampstand, which is crazy to us because it's just not how we think, right? We're like, well, that's yeah. a good church right there. <laughs> yeah, that's a solid church. I'm going there instead. Right. And it's just not how God desires relationship with us. He doesn't want us to just be these little automatons that are doing the right thing, not out of a love and a, out of a joy and out of a vibrant walk with him. And so I've just been convicted by how frequently I fall into that as a good little foot soldier who doesn't really spend time with the boss who just takes the orders and does what I'm supposed to. And it's been, God's been working for sure in my heart about that. So I hope that, I hope that you guys are prayerful about personal revival and that you're seeking the Lord over what he wants to change in your life. You're exposing yourself to godly teaching and then having time for prayer and reflection so that you can actually apply that and, and repent as needed. Um, but at the end of the day, like what matters is that we worship God in, in spirit and in truth, right? And mm-hmm. if we're not worshiping him out of love for him, then it's not a true relationship. It's not a true, um, mm. it's not truly honoring to him. So Emily, cue the organ music, take it away before Dun-dun. I keep talking about all the things all right but i also want to follow up with something you said <laughs> okay just thinking about what true love looks like is first corinthians 13 and that emphasizes the fact that you could do all of the good things in the world you know you could deliver up your body you could um, give all your goods to feed the poor but it won't mean anything unless it's done in love. Mm. So God doesn't want just a hollowed out Pharisee who's really good at doing good works, but has no heart for him at all. Mm. You know, he wants your heart. He doesn't want your good works. He wants your heart. And good works follow when you have a heart for God, but but keep the first things first. So yeah, that's always a challenge to me because it like, like you're saying, it's very easy just to get caught up in the doing instead of the being, I guess, who am I is the yeah. important thing. 
Exactly. And we talked about, I just mentioned like the soldier on the front lines, right? That's fulfilling the orders that come down from the top. But imagine being engaged to the commander of all the forces and he wants to hang out with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. You're going to be married and he keeps trying to spend time with you, but you're too busy carrying out all the tasks that you know that he wants you to do. Right. And you become like so task oriented where, oh, I can't sit down and spend time with you. I can't have a meal with you tonight. I can't, you know, talk to you about how my day is going this afternoon because I'm too busy running around doing all these things and, and dutifully doing what I think I should be doing. And it's like, good grief. Like you're neglecting the most important thing, which is your relationship with, yeah, maybe he like outranks you, right? (laughs) God totally outranks us, Hmm. but like he loves us and he is our future spouse and he desires a relationship with us. And that's something that we forget and we become very dutiful soldiers and um, he's standing there like, please spend time with me. <laughs> like, I love you and I want you to love me. Yeah. And so it's just convicting. It's easy for us to do. It's easy for me to do with my personality, especially, I feel like. But I know it's easy for all of us to do. So, yep, absolutely. Well, cue the organ music again. <laughs> um, no, just once is enough. <laughs> <laughs> Never enough. So like we've been talking about, today's attribute is God's truthfulness. Um, and the Greek word that that comes from, Kathleen, tell me if I'm wrong, if you're listening to this, it's alethanos. You were talking to me. I'm like, you know, my name isn't Kathleen. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> um, alethanos, alethanos, alethanos. True, voracious, or sincere is what it means. Mm. Another um, form of that word is true or loving the truth, speaking the truth, truthful. I think loving the truth is an interesting thing. Yeah. Because that's one way that God is described as loving the truth. And he is truth. So, got a quote. Yay. Um, and it's not from Berrickman this time. Do you know who it's from? I do. Hey. That is a, another interesting thing about today. I actually know who I'm quoting. Um, <laughs> so, um, Ryrie. Charles. Oh, I love Charles. Yes. C. Charles Ryrie. C. Ryrie. We had to look at that the book um i thought it was c but then i psyched myself out because his first name starts with c yeah too, right was like, you, did, you did not know what were his that parents thinking i totally knew and i'm speaking the truth all right well good <laughs> you, you fit right in today <laughs> okay so ryrie has said in his book basic christian theology wait just kidding basic theology sheesh okay sorry um <laughs> to say that god is true is to say in the most comprehensive sense that he is consistent with himself, that he is Hmm. all that he should be, that he has revealed himself as he really is, and that he and his revelation are completely reliable. Hmm. Jumping forward a page in the same book, says, because God is true, he can do nothing inconsistent with himself. His promises can never be broken or unfulfilled. And the Bible, which is his word, must also be inherently true. So God is truth. He is the standard of truth, not us. Um, We cannot look within for truth. We cannot look around us for truth. We have to go to God for what is absolutely true. And his word is true. And he has given us that promise so we can rely upon his word. And now a quote from Berkman, because, you know, we need to. Yeah. Um, It says, this quality makes God to be true in his nature, words, and works. So, 
just uh, some interesting definitions and explanations there just about who God is. Uh, and now we're going to flip forward here to flip. flip to different passages throughout scripture that talk about God's truthfulness. And just a side note, some of these are kind of snatched out of context because God's truthfulness is like mentioned almost as an aside, I guess. Not that it's irrelevant, but it's within a different context. So I'll try to explain them a little bit as we go into them. It's kind of an assumed attribute of God in a lot of ways, I feel like, because if God's given us his word and it's what we need for life and godliness, and if he's telling us about himself through it, then he, we can trust it because mm-hmm. he's true. You know what I mean? It's like a he's coming from a position of total, absolute truth and authority. Right. Therefore, he can give us his word. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Hebrews 6 kind of talks about that. That's one of the passages we have. So I'll just skip forward to that. <laughs> Darn it. Katie's always <laughs> jumping ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're good. But um, Hebrews 6, 13 through 19, and the context here is talking about how the author of Hebrews, we don't know who that was, but um, how this author desired for the letters recipients to inherit God's promises. So that's just kind of where we're at in Hebrews. Um, and it says, for when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so, you know, instead of like, oh, I swore on my mother's grave, which, you know, you shouldn't do, but um, God swore by himself um, because that was the greatest thing that was, there's nothing greater than him. Hmm. Verse 17. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, listen well here, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. So because, again, because God is true, we can hope in him. We can trust because that's a sure hope. He will not lie. Verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. Mm. So if God makes a promise, you can really bank on it. It's impossible for him to lie. So like that could just connects well with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so it's just neat to... To see if God is true and if he is truth, then he can swear by himself. He can say that his word is true and his testimony is enough because he's God. Well, and I think that's interesting too, that some religions believe in a higher power that can be deceptive and Mm -hmm. can trick you and can play with you. And like, even um, there's a very prominent religion that's all over the Middle East and North Africa and all over the U.S. and Europe now, too, where <laughs> they think that God can lie because to say he can't lie is to limit God. And I, I think it's really important for us as believers. We've talked about this extensively on the podcast that God cannot act outside of his nature, right? Like he is light. Light cannot be darkness. It is the opposite of its Mm -hmm. nature. And so it's not a limitation on his power. It's the opposite of who he is. And in the same way, God is absolute truth. He is the truth. And I think that something that is a bedrock is a, 
is a firm foundation. We can trust in it exclusively, intensively. It does not have to be something we are fearful about or we waffle in, wondering if God's going to keep his word this week or if it's going to be different now that it's been a few centuries. Hmm. He is always true. And if he is not, then everything falls apart. I mean, truth is is the essential element that binds all the characteristics of God, all the promises, all the history, all the prophecies without they without us being able to be assured that they are true, then we would have no faith. We would yeah. have no relationship, we would have no future. So truth is essential. It's the essential element of everything God has told us in his word. Without truth it all falls apart. With it, we can trust in it. We can have peace no matter what's going on. Absolutely. I love that. And another passage we have here that relates to what you're saying. <laughs> it's almost like we planned this out, but we, we don't we plan really this well. We did it. <laughs> I know. I feel bad, though. I don't mean to like steal the thunder. No, but no, you're I mean, not. these things do, it's not like it's rocket science, right? Like God's word makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that the way that we see him in scripture is applying to real life, you know? So. Right. Exactly. Well, and. Related to what Katie said, is <laughs> Titus one, and uh, the context here is when is just Paul opening his letter to Timothy with a greeting, and so starting verse one, it says, "Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago." Mm. So this is a response to those who say. That, you know, if God can't lie, then that means he's not God or something because mm-hmm. he can't do something. But yeah, God, there are things God can't do because it would change his character. Yeah. He cannot do anything inconsistent with who he is. He cannot go against his word. He cannot lie. So be thankful, <laughs> you know, that Amen. he that he can't do something that's inconsistent with who he is. That's wonderful. Um, if we had a God who could lie, our lives would be very unstable and um, full of anxiety and no steadiness, you know, that's why our hope is an anchor for the soul. Mm-hmm. It's because we know it's true and we know he will not go back on his word. Amen. So that shows that he is extremely trustworthy and we can bank on that. So another passage we have to look at here is Romans 3. Um, and we're starting in verse 3. It says, what then if some did not believe Their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? Hmm. May it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. Mm. I just love that. It's such an extreme statement. (laughs) It's like, if if it means, if for God to be true, it means that everybody else in the world is a liar, then yeah. That's the solution. (laughs) Because God (laughs) is not a liar. Um, He cannot lie. Yep. Yeah, I love that. And so, it, you know... God is always right. God is always true. Even the person you trust the most could never compare with God's truthfulness. And I think intellectually, we we do believe this, but we don't always live practically like we believe that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like every moment of our day is lived consistently with the fact that we know that God is truth and true. I think sometimes we forget that and we think, well, you know, yes, I know that you know, spending time with God consistently and faithfully every day is the right thing to do. And um, he says that he will give me joy and peace just by, you know, me placing my confidence, my trust in him. 
but I'm going to watch TV instead, you know, or I'm, I'm just going to choose to be busy with other things instead um, that I could say no to, to spend time with God. And, you know, that's just not really living consistently with what we say we believe. So I just think yeah. it's food for thought there. Yeah. How can we, how can we reflect this attribute of God in our practice? Yeah. How can we live truthfully? You know, put your money where your mouth is, is saying that I really appreciate because when there's sacrifice involved, um, we tend to be a little bit more conservative than if we're just theorizing and talking. <laughs> and uh, I think this is where the rubber meets the road, where we really show if we have a true faith or not, is, is it impacting your practice? Mm-hmm. Is it impacting your life? Is it impacting your free time and your intentionality? How are you seeking God? Um, yeah. We, we need to be reflecting the truth of God with how we pursue him and respond to him mm. because God knows, like he knows if you are fooling everybody else, you're not fooling him. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting to think about whatever you believe is true is what you will live based upon. So if mm. your life isn't reflecting what a Christian's life should, then maybe you don't believe it, you know? If um, you consistently have issues living the Christian life and trusting God and um, glorifying Him, walking by the Spirit, maybe it's because you have a a belief issue, a trust issue. Um, So it's definitely worth talking through a spiritual leader about for sure. Yeah, Um, for sure. Because if I believe that I need breakfast, I will eat breakfast. If I believe that I need to get dressed every day to go to work, then I will. But if I don't believe it, then I won't, you know, if I believe that things will be okay, if I don't, then I'm going to live my life in a different way. Mm -hmm. So that's just something that I'm challenged with a lot. Yeah. And I think that there are some signs and symptoms of not living a life that is trusting God and believing that he is trustworthy, that he is truthful. Is, is your life categorized by fear? Yeah. Is it categorized by anxiety and worry? Are you stressed all the time? Are you, um, do you feel like you're alone? Like you don't have a support system. Like you can't look to the future with excitement. Um, I think those are symptoms of a life that is not living in the truth of God's word. Mm-hmm. You're not accepting by faith the things that God has promised you are true for now and for the future when you, your life is characterized by those things. And so if that's you, then dig down to that, really dig down to the root of why you don't trust God and ask him for the faith to trust him. Yeah. Spend time in the word, especially in, you know, passages that were written specifically so you would believe and that by believing you'd have life in his name, like the gospel of John. That's why it was written, mm. <laughs> you know, spend time in the word so that because it's by exposing ourselves to the truth of God's word that we are changed. Romans 12 talks about, you know, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewal of our minds so that we can then test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and perfect and acceptable to him. And we are renewed by exposure to God's word. We're renewed by uh, exposing ourselves and our heart and our sinful minds to truth and dwelling on it consistently. One of the revival services we had this past week was talking about the top 10 times in your life that were the worst times in your life. And writing those down and then going back and thinking, what lie am I believing when I still look at this as being like the worst time of my life? What lie was I believing that 
caused that situation or that made it so painful. And then instead of dwelling on that lie and then trying to remind yourself of truth, because then it's like saying, trying to tell yourself not to think about something, right? Like don't think about a pink elephant is what his example was. Mm. Don't think about its pink rough skin. Don't think about its pink long nose. Don't think Mm. about its pink floppy ears or its, you know, angry pink eyes. Like instead of doing that, where you're just consumed with, I shouldn't be thinking about this. I shouldn't be thinking about this. It's not true. Instead, you write down scripture that counteracts that belief, that lie that you're believing And then you dwell on the truth. You delete the other aspects of that homework, right? You delete the the terrible situation and the lie you're believing. And instead you dwell on truth. You focus Mm -hmm. on truth. You spend time soaking in the truth of God's word and asking him for the faith to believe it. And he'll grant that. I mean, he tells us over and over again in his word that if we seek him, we will find him if we Mm -hmm. seek him with all our hearts. And that, you know, we can ask these things in faith, not doubting. James talks about that, that if we, you know, ask for wisdom from God and he'll give it to us, you know, if we're, Mm -hmm. if we're doing that intentionally and we can trust what he says because he is absolutely truthful. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord for that. Well, question for you, Katie, Uh Oh, to tap the, the deep caverns of your mind. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty shallow, honestly. No, no, no. What would you say to the person who is hearing all of this, but they are just having trouble believing. Um, What if they just say, I know, but it's just hard to believe that. Very similar to what I already said, uh, (laughs) frankly. So I think, I think in that scenario, a admitting and acknowledging your struggle is really important. Don't like shove it down. Don't um, ignore it. Understanding that you are having a hard time and that you have a lack of faith is, is like, natural for us to, to feel at times, like we're human, we're fleshly. So when you understand that and you are, um, acknowledging it, then you need to just get some help. If you're stuck, especially reach out to someone who you trust in your circle, who loves the Lord and who's in his word and, and just tell them like, Hey, I'm struggling to believe these things I know are true. And so get that accountability, have some, a safe person that you can process things with and go to God's word with. But I also think that the most essential element of that and the one that's most frequently neglected is to go to God himself mm-hmm. and to ask him for the faith to believe his word. I think sometimes we forget that, you know, we think, okay, I just got to figure this out. I just got to, I just got to muscle through this. I got to work hard to believe I'm going to believe, you know, I'm going to, oh, I'm mm-hmm. believing, you know, and it's like, Hey, God tells us in his word that we only love him because he first loved us, right? Like we have responsibility, man has um, free will and we have responsibility and we don't know how that all fits together. But at the same time, like it's God who works in us to willing to work for his good pleasure. And so that's something that we need to remind ourselves of when we're struggling is to go to him in faith, asking him to give us the faith. I think of that passage that says, Lord, I believe, but you know, help my unbelief. I think that's, that's the call of the Christian every day is to ask him for the help we need. Does that answer your question? Are you thinking of something else? No, no. I was just trying to think of ways to make it practical Mm -hmm. and bring it home. Well, I think in my heart too, there's been a big change this past week of coming to a realization that there are areas of my life that have been strongholds for the enemy and for my sinful flesh, because I've I've failed in them so frequently that I don't feel like there's hope of change there. Or I think one day God might do something powerful, but he isn't doing it now. And what I've been really convicted about this past week with these revival services has been 
Um, first of all, making these things an urgent matter of prayer and begging God daily for him to intervene, spending the time on our knees that shows it matters to us and that's important to us and that we want him to act. We want him to intervene, um, you know, pounding on the door of heaven until he does something right. And, um, he's going to change us or he's going to change the circumstances, but he will act, <laughs> you know? And I think that also praying in faith, believing that he can act and that he's going to do a good work in you, like scripture tells us, mm-hmm. and that, you know, we can trust him for these things. And I think that's been a big change in my heart, even just this past week where I've been making it a, a, a specific discipline in my life to put things that I'm really burdened about that are strongholds in my life on my daily prayer list and to just really beg God to intervene in those areas and to ask him to do it in faith and to rely on him to work and to act and to not let that be something I'm taking on myself. I think that's a really important part of it too. If you're really struggling with faith and you're really struggling with a life that's beset by fear or anxiety or whatever, then make it a serious matter of prayer. Like show God that you're serious about this changing in your life and ask him to help you. Oh, absolutely. I think it is, it's important to just remember also that you really can choose to believe something. And often we do choose to believe lies too. So yeah, it's just very true. You have to choose to keep coming back to God's word and trusting it every day. So uh, another passage to look at is John 17. And this is Jesus praying in the garden shortly before the mob came to take him away. And this chapter is just a very sweet one where he's praying for his disciples and he prays for those who would come to believe through their word. So that's you and me. Love this chapter. Oh, me too. It's just a very, it's very interesting to look at what Jesus was thinking about, what was on his heart shortly before the greatest trial anyone's ever experienced. Um, And his heart was for his disciples, for his loved ones. And it's just a very sobering thing to think about. Um, So, uh, verse three says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So that verse right there shows us that God is the only true God. Mm. Um, there's no one else besides him. Um, and then verse 17 is a popular one as well. It says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So the implication of this is that God's word is truth. Um, our standard for truth comes from him and not from ourselves or the world. Truth is not a subjective, you know, relative concept. It's mm. um, it's objective. Something is either true or it's not. And God is the one we must look to for that standard, for that help. Yeah. I had a conversation at work this week about just how we make decisions. And as I was processing it later and praying over just the conversation I got to have and the little bit of my faith I got to share with this person, I was just asking the Lord to work there and to help me have more opportunities. And I was really struck by how this person I was talking to really decides what truth is based on the consequences Hmm. and how as a follower of Jesus, who has a standard of truth in God's word, we are supposed to be making decisions based off of what God's word says. We make decisions based off a standard of truth, off the morals involved in the issue, not off of the consequences. And I think I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, the consequences are going to be better for having obeyed God and his truth because he understands consequences when he writes morality. <laughs> but sometimes in the in the immediacy of consequences, it seems like doing something immoral produces a better benefit. 
And it's interesting to see how that's taken place in the world and relationships and political issues, like, you know, even in ethics classes where they talk about like, oh, you know, you, you can stop this trolley from killing this child, but you're going to kill a, a trolley full of people or whatever, you know? And like, they, they talk about the, the different ethical dilemmas you face and people get really torn up because they don't know what consequences to choose. When at the end of the day, like, we need to operate out of a standard of truth about what God's law says and not really consider the consequences because we're being obedient to truth. And God will work out the consequences of, you know, it could be that something happens that you don't want because you are doing what's right. I think of abortion, for example, like some people think, well, the consequences of raising a child that maybe you were raped and now you have this, this pregnancy, the consequences of that sinful act that was committed against you are, are going to be very difficult and very hard. Therefore, it seems like in the, in the immediate decision-making process that to take the life of that unborn child is the best, it's the best solution and it will have the least negative of consequences. But it's not actually true. And we know that because of research that's come out of like how much that impacts you as a mother and how difficult that is. We know that because biology tells us that two cells that, you know, start together, like that's the process of, of life. And, and we recognize that in plants and on other planets, <laughs> we don't recognize it in the womb of a woman for some reason, but like at the end of the day, even if all these questions were not out there, even if all these consequences weren't more obvious, God says that it's not our job to take a life because it was conceived in sinful circumstances or because, um, we, it's inconvenient or we don't know how we're going to be able to handle it, or we don't know the situation. Like God's in control of life and death, and he decides. And we don't say, okay, this little life that's in this woman's body, because it was not one we wanted, or um, there was a terrible reason for why it was conceived. It's not that baby's fault. So it doesn't make it morally right to take it just because of the consequences of, the, of living with that. And so I just think it's interesting how we become a society that judges right and wrong based off of what the benefit is to us or others mm. instead of what truth is. And, you know, that's how you invade a country because their resources will make your country better and stronger and healthier and have more food. You know, we have more guns, so we can just invade that country and take all their resources. The consequences are are better. So we don't think morally if it's right or wrong. Um, but we have to get back to the basics of God's word. Well, what does God's word tell us? You know, what does God say is true? Mm -hmm. And if we make decisions off of that, we'll never regret it because he's going to handle the consequences. Yeah, absolutely. It It is very, it's a very important topic because this is where the rubber meets the road in a lot of ways. So mm -hmm. making make sure that you are taking in what is true, you know, dwelling on what is true rather than feeding on, um, wrong philosophies or lies, whether that's through media or um, just what friendships you keep. Mm -hmm. um, just make sure you're ha uh, having wise company, um, whether alive or, <laughs> or not. <laughs> so, And I'll say too, when you're speaking with unsafe people, make sure you're not getting caught up in conversations where you're arguing your politics and you're arguing for different worldviews at the end of the day, like you need to be talking with people and showing the love of Jesus and sharing the truth of the gospel. Mm -hmm. If God saves them, you can start working on what they're voting and why. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I think that it muddies the water and it really distracts from the gospel when Christians get caught up in these issues and they are 
involved in those conversations at work, I would say there's an, there's an element to where you're able to, to share your opinion or something. But like, I try to really stay out of those conversations and to really focus on God's word. And this conversation is like a really good example of that because by God's grace, I was able to share my faith and I was able to share about like Jesus having said he was the only way and those who, anyone who would come to the father have to come through him. I was able to share that because I didn't get caught up in the conversation she was wanting to have about the rights and wrongs of these, these con these uh, political concepts that are out there right now. And I just came back to basics of what God's word says about our souls and eternity. And I think that it's easy to get distracted as Christians in those conversations and to want to prove our point and to want to argue out like the ethics involved when we need to, we need to care more about their soul and about where they're going to spend eternity. And then once that's sorted, we can disciple them into a more full knowledge yeah. of God's truth in other areas. Then they'll have the Holy Spirit to convict them because policies yep. don't change people. <laughs> we can't legislate morality. We can't. I'm glad to live in a country that for the most part holds to biblical morality, but it's definitely eroding and going away. And it's okay if it does, because God's still God and I can still serve him and joy. And I would rather people know, like are honest about the sin in their hearts than that it's cloaked under a law and they are able to hide that more effectively. Like I want to see the people who are lost so that I can witness to them and minister to them. So it's just a different way of thinking about it, but but Emily, I know you have one more passage for us, and then we need to start wrapping things up because we got church in like an hour. So <laughs> we do. It's a Wednesday night. <laughs> so First John five twenty is the verse that we can end with. Um, it says, "And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know Him who is true, mm. and we are in Him who is true, in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life." Um, so once again, aren't you so thankful that God is truth and that we can bank upon the fact that we as believers who are in him who is true, we can believe what everything he tells us is true. We can have that hope looking mm -hmm. forward to Amen. eternal life and to know that there are answers for this life and there is a life to come where everything will be made right. So, Amen. Praise God for that. I honestly don't know what I would do if I couldn't rely on the truth of God mm. and his word. Me either. It's what everything's built on. It's what everything is is built out of. <laughs> and so I just encourage you to spend time just really surrendering yourself to his truth, submitting yourself to what he says, because what he says goes, and um, just soaking in the word and dwelling on truth. And God's word says the truth will set us free. And that's not just any random saying, like that's talking about the biblical truth of his word. It will set us free. And so praise God for that. Amen. Well, we love you ladies and we are going to wrap things up. So Emily can feed her husband and I can Yay. feed a dog. <laughs> we can get ready for church. So <laughs> we love you guys and we will talk to you, Lord willing, next week. Hope that this will be an encouragement and will edify and encourage you to be in the word to love your Savior, and to serve Him faithfully. So we love you guys. We love you guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Sophie, come here. Come here. I done a lot. I done. done You're done? Hey, that looks really good. Why don't you come say hi? Say hi. Hi. What's your name? Sophie. Sophie, how old are you? Seven. You're seven? How did you get so old? Mm. You don't know? <laughs>
We don't either. <laughs> what are you doing here today with your aunts? Crochet. Are you learning how to crochet? Yeah. You're doing a really good job, too. It's beautiful. All right, tell everyone bye. Bye. Say, study the Bible. Study the Bible.